Welcome to Parallax by Anka Kalra, a podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology and the best from the US Cardiology Review. Published every second Monday, Anka Kalra, MD, interventional cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, USA, speaks with legendary cardiologists, reviews late-breaking trials and interviews authors of our latest and best US cardiology review articles. We call them hashtag audio articles. Parallax is the effect whereby the position or direction of an object appears to differ when viewed from different positions. So this podcast is your fix of reliable updates on all things cardiology by someone from a non-traditional background who is always looking at the industry from a new angle. Now, here's your host, Anka Kalra, MD. Hello, everyone. Um, I have the immense honor and and privilege of having with me a very special guest on the show. Um, it's been, um, it's been, uh, you know, we've, it's been an effort on, on, uh, on our end and, and on his end as well to coordinate this because, um, you know, he's obviously, um, uh, busy and, um, and impact science. Um, very few of us can, um, the man needs no introduction. Um, I have with me on the show, Dr. Greg Stone. Dr. Greg Stone is, uh, uh, the director of academic affairs at uh, Mount Sinai Hospital, and um, you know, on the t- on behalf of the entire team at Parallax, Doctor Stone, uh, we welcome you. Thank you for being on the show. You know, my pleasure. Thank you, Anchor. Um, so, you know, I think the field um, in general, you know, if not cardiovascular medicine, medicine at large, knows about your uh, you know immense contributions to to medicine and to cardiovascular disease and to interventional cardiology. You know, innumerable New England Journal of Medicine papers, um, incredible late-breaking science. I mean, you've impacted the field. Um, like I said in the, in, in the introduction, you know, all of us would aspire to, and very few of us actually get there. So I wanted to start the interview by asking you, um, just to educate us, enlighten us, uh, the audience, about your journey to where you are now. How did you get here? How did you become the Greg Stone we know, the world knows? Well, wow, that's a great question. It's a very broad question. Um, obviously, uh, you know, it started in uh, childhood with, uh, you know, tremendous parental influences. I actually was the first person ever in medicine in my family, however, but uh, had a tremendously supportive, loving family that uh, allowed me to follow my passions and my dreams. Uh, was very uh, curious and uh, creative uh, growing up. And uh, it led me very early on um, uh, to actually, even before going to college, um, wanting to work with people and with patients to have several experiences working both at Mount Sinai Hospital in Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in Cleveland or Shaker Heights, Ohio. Wow. Uh, That's a hospital that no longer exists. That's actually where I was born. It's where I worked as a radiology transport orderly, my first uh, um, volunteer position. Uh, and, uh, you know, got very much exposed to medicine uh, early on there as about a 16-year-old. Uh, also worked uh, for several summers uh, as uh, an uh, orderly and aide in several psychiatric hospitals uh, in, in the Cleveland area, uh, both before and after 18 during summers. But very early on, was very interested and passionate about uh, taking care of patients and always had a strong bent towards science and math. And uh, for me, medicine is the perfect outlet 
to be able to work with people to make a contribution and at the same time uh, uh, scratch my creative uh, and curiosity uh, itches um, uh, and applying again my scientific and math skills and uh, um, and uh, proclivities. So uh, early on from the University of Michigan where I attended college, uh, I did research uh, early with the basic science laboratory investigating prostaglandins, which were kind of barely discovered at that time. This is uh, back in the um, um, 70s. And uh, from there, um, uh, every step of the way, I was involved in academics uh, from training both as an intern and residence at uh, Cornell, New York Hospital, and at Sloan Kettering, and then during my general cardiology fellowship, uh, working uh, with Swan and Gans and Forrester and Shaw and other luminaries at Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, Dan Berman, uh, uh, many others, uh, working in nuclear cardiology, uh, and uh, heart failure, uh, and then also interventional cardiology with Frank Litvak and Neil Eigler and um, uh, many other great people that were just starting new device angioplasty. Finally had a, a major break by being accepted to work with Jeff Hartzler on an advanced angioplasty fellowship. Angioplasty was relatively new, um, you know, mm -hmm. at this time. This is uh, in the 80s. Sure. And was able to spend a year with Jeff uh, who really was the pioneer who uh, brought angioplasty from simple single complex, uh, simple single non-complex lesions in stable coronary disease to multivessel intervention, CTO intervention, acute myocardial infarction intervention, and he was the destination for uh, um, uh, I think the world to come to learn how to do advanced and complex coronary intervention in the 80s. And uh, working with him for a year, um, uh, I also, you know, was able, he had one of the great early databases, uh, PCI. Uh, this is the balloon angioplasty era. And sure. I was able to write about a dozen papers when I was with him on CTOs, on myocardial infarction, um, uh, lipid lowering as it relates to restenosis, uh, a variety of different topics. Um, and then finally, I mean, from all of this, I knew that I wanted to have a both clinical and academic career uh, and had that opportunity. Um, uh, this is really before universities were the center of um, uh, academic life, at least in interventional cardiology. So I actually joined a large private practice out in, uh, in Northern California. Um, which is called the Cardiovascular Institute at both El Camino and Stanford Hospitals. And we became known for the amount of research that we did through our clinical practice. So we provided excellent clinical care at both hospitals, but also um, uh, participated in multi-center research projects, uh, but also led many of them over 10 years. Finally, uh, from that work, uh, um, I guess I was noticed by Marty Leon, who asked me to join him and his colleagues at the Cardiovascular Research Foundation, initially at the Washington Hospital Center. That all then moved to New York, first Lenox Hill Hospital, then Columbia for the last 15 years, and now I've uh, taken a system-wide position at Mount Sinai, which I'm very excited about. Uh, um, along the way, it's just given me the opportunity to interact with so many special, uh, intelligent, uh, brilliant 
um, and driven leaders in the world, uh, not only in interventional cardiology, but general cardiology, cardiac surgery, um, hematology, uh, pharmacology, uh, and allied subspecialties that allows, has allowed me to develop a very broad-based interest in, in many things in medicine beyond my initial subspecialty of interventional cardiology. So that's kind of a very short answer to uh, um, kind of how I got where I started to where I am today. Yeah, so, you know, thank you for taking us through um, a journey of yours, which, uh, you know, is incredible. I mean, I just, in that answer, I learned so much about you. I didn't know a lot of things um, about your journey. Um, you know, first up, uh, you know, I live in Shaker Heights right now, so I, I share... That's, uh, there you go. <laughs> I share. Great to you, Lou. Um, I shouldn't waste the interview time on this, but uh. no, no, no. That's this is this is uh, this is conversation. So you know, uh, I live I live on Southington Road, so it's on, at the cross section of Shaker Boulevard. And, Road. I yeah. know Southington very well. I grew up on Malvern. Do you ah, know Malvern? I I don't. I don't uh, think I do, but I, I look it up. Several blocks. Uh huh. Several blocks. Uh, yeah. There's a big giant school right across from where I grew up. My elementary school. So uh, I grew up uh, several blocks from where you're living. Yeah, no, I will actually on my way back to, from work um, to, to home in the evening later today. I will um, take. I, I will look up that street and I'll I'll send you a picture. There you go. <laughs> okay, um, please do. Yeah, please I will. Do. Yeah. So um, you know, but you know, more uh, more importantly, I think for early careers who are listening, who uh, and also fellows in training, uh, cardiologists at large. I mean, we've we've got our, our listenership and audience comprises primarily of of these three groups. Um, you know, but particularly for the early career, uh, there's a lot of lot to be learned from your journey because you know you said you started out in private practice, and you know we you know at least I can I can t talk about myself. I know of a few other colleagues. You know, who when we were looking out for you know opportunities to work, um, you know, some of us may limit ourselves to, you know, just academic medical centers. Um, but I realized very quickly that you could do incredibly meaningful work that can move the field forward, um, and can can do cutting edge research. Uh, you know, pretty much. You know, if you are committed, but you could do it anywhere, like in in any setting. If you've if you've administrative support, you could pretty much. I know it may be hard in places where the the infrastructure is not set up, um, but you could still initiate the process and and still be very effective. What do you have to say about that? What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, well, that's, I mean that's certainly very true. It really depends on the people and and your passions and uh, your drive. I think more than the clinical setting. Uh, back again when I was starting out. Uh, interventional cardiology was not a university-based phenomenon, and actually most cardiologists were in private practice. Mm -hmm. um, the people who were at universities tended to be very hardcore academicians, um, and interventional cardiology, again, grew up, uh, other than Grunzig, who, of course, came from Switzerland to Emory, um, uh, you know, which actually was a private practice at that time, uh, but within the university setting of Emory. Uh, but most physicians, Sturzer, Myler, Simpson, uh, Hartzler, they were all in large private practices. And they all had thousands of PCI patients, and all the original research, of course, required uh, patient volume, yeah. uh, frankly. And so that's where all the emphasis was. Now, of course, with the um, uh, uh, decline, some would say demise, of, of private medicine, 
um, uh, and the rise of academic medical centers, uh, right now I would recommend to most people to go to an academic medical center that sure. is, is focused on research and will give the uh, uh, physicians who are looking for joint clinical practice and clinical research protected time. That's very important. Um, and there you will have great infrastructure to do great things. But I do think that it, it matters less about the setting than it does about the individual. And if you want to do good clinical research and uh, if you've got, you know, substantial patient volume, then whether it's an academic setting or a private practice or an HMO or a Kaiser, for example, uh, it, it doesn't matter. You can do great things anywhere. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's uh, a great answer. Again, a very insightful answer. Um, what is your advice to, to, to both fellows in training as well as early career who are, who are interested in clinical investigation? Uh, a career in clinical investigation as well as in, you know, clinically a productive sure. career. How, how do you, how mindful can you be early on? Um, and what would someone like you who's, you know, like I said, uh, has pretty much seen it all, done it all, um, would recommend to, to guys like us, to, you know, people like us who are, uh, you know, who have the drive and are looking for opportunities to, you know, go to the next level when it comes to, you know, clinical investigation. Sure. Well, I think, uh, you know, first of all, I, I, I strongly recommend that type of a dual pathway of both patient care and clinical investigation because it, it keeps your mind active, it keeps you thinking, it keeps you exposed to newer techniques and newer ideas, and it makes for a very rich life which doesn't mean that you cannot be just a practitioner. In fact, we obviously need great practitioners, and it's very important, I think, early on for physicians to recognize what they want to do um, during their internship, residency, fellowship, and to be true for themselves. Uh, and if you want to um, just, just, I want to say just, because again, it's very high calling, but if you want to only practice clinical medicine, then terrific. Then find a setting where that will be your main responsibility. Um, but if you do want to have a combined um, uh, clinical academic career, you've got to make some early decisions and you need to find a program where, one, they're looking for that kind of person, two, they will give you some protected time, um, but three, you also do have substantial clinical exposure because I can tell you that um, the, the, most people who have made important contributions to interventional cardiology, let alone other specialties of medicine, it all starts with hands on the patient. It all starts with taking care of patients, knowing where the unmet clinical needs are, knowing where the complications can occur, knowing where the successes already are. And, and you have to, in interventional cardiology, you, you have to develop your chops, if you will, as a uh, um, specialist. So you've got to take care of patients, whether it's coronary, structural, endovascular, um, another important decision, of course. Um, so my recommendation would be early on, you want your career to be weighted a little bit more towards patient care, mm -hmm. but you want some protected time for research. And then as your career advances, every two, three, five years, uh, frankly, you might do a little bit less and less in the lab um, and a little bit more and more and more on clinical research. Uh, and uh, that's kind of what I did um, initially. It, it, it worked for me. Um, but uh, I, I, and I think there's a rationale as to why that's uh, important guidance. 
Um, sure. Um, I know you've also mentored. Um, so thanks again for the for the response. I know you've mentored um, many successful interventional cardiologists who've pursued this dual pathway. You know, particularly your time at Columbia. Um, you know, one of them is going to be my my next guest on the show is uh, Dr. Ajay Kirtane. Um, yeah, wonderful. Um, so you, you know, just uh, as as a as an interlocutor for this conversation, what 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 are you looking for as a, as a senior established clinical investigator uh, when when someone approaches you for mentorship? What are you what what ingredients are you looking for in that individual? Um, I'm sure you know in, a lot of us could cultivate, but a lot of us also have those innate qualities. So, what in your mind or, or what in your assessment? of someone's resume or someone's you know, characteristic, if you will, are you looking for, uh, you, think, you, you, know, you think would be a good uh, person for um, you know, pursuing this dual pathway? Well, you know, first of all, I think the, the most important characteristic is, is drive and effort and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of accomplishments, uh, whether they're in general medicine, uh, patient care, uh, clinical or academic basic science research, comes from effort. Uh, and, and many people look at what I, my colleagues, and many other people who have accomplished a lot, uh, and they wonder, how has that happened? And to be very honest, it's not that we're smarter than anybody else. It's that we work really hard. And we really have a drive and a passion and we love what we do and it drives us to work nights. It drives us to work weekends. Um, and so that's the number one thing I'm looking for, that, that passion, that mm-hmm. spark. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, uh, and I want that you, you can see that reflected not only at the minute, for example, during an interview, but have they shown that in the last prior years? Did they start early or is this whole idea to be a clinical researcher just new to them all of a sudden? Yeah. So you can, you can see the prior commitments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second thing then is curiosity. I've used that word several times in this interview. Um, you've got to not accept the status quo. You've got to, again, understand where the gaps in knowledge are. You've got to understand where we're failing, where we're not succeeding, um, uh, you know, to cure disease, to diagnose disease uh, as safely and effectively as we should. And then you've got to want to pose those questions. So I will have sometimes younger people come up to me and, and want to be mentored, and they'll say, okay, give me a project. Mm-hmm. That does not impress me nearly as much as if somebody says, you know, I've noticed in uh, diabetics, uh, uh, you know, who are women with early onset diabetes, uh, you know, those patients who have these characteristics compared to those characteristics have a worse prognosis. And I think it may be because of this. Mm-hmm. Is there some way we can work together to see if I can figure that out? Yeah. Okay. That really stimulates me. And it also puts me in a situation where I'm often as learning as much from them as they're learning from me. I may guide them, but I will learn an awful lot about new principles and new concepts, and they'll make me think of things that I haven't thought of. So I'd say those are the two most important uh, attributes. And then, of course, yes, intelligence and and good skills and uh, et cetera. All of that is very important. But honestly, I'd say not as important as, as drive uh, enthusiasm, motivation, uh, and curiosity. Yeah. Um, Dr. Stone, thank you so much, uh, for your time. Um, I, I'm being, I'm keeping this short cause I know, uh, we've got limited time and I really appreciate your time and, 
uh, you've got many other important things on your plate. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and spending some time with us. Thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom. Um, and, uh, you know, again, once again, it was, it was great to see you at TCT. Congratulations on all the success. It was a fascinating meeting. Like it, well, I was visiting, you know, after seven years, but I had a really good time. Um, so thank you for, thank you for everything. Uh, any, any closing remarks for the podcast for, for listeners, for people like myself, uh, for people generally in the field? Well, you know, first of all, Anchor, thank you for, uh, you know, giving me this opportunity, um, you know, to express a little bit of, of my excitement and enthusiasm, uh, I've been doing this for the 30 years now, and I love it absolutely as much or more than the first day I started. And, you know, the, the opportunity to be able to combine patient care and research and then couple with education. And you mentioned TCT. We didn't talk much about education. But to be able to, you know, complete that third leg of the stool, if you will, to not only um, uh, take care of one person, develop um, uh, new techniques, uh, new, whether it's devices or drugs or approaches to disease, um, uh, to validate that, uh, work closely with FDA, uh, make leaps and new approvals to uh, present and publish, and then put on courses to educate other people how to take care of patients better, to me is a very high calling and it's a humbling, frankly, that we're given the opportunity to be able to do this. So uh, again, we're always looking for the next generation of leaders and I'm confident with uh, you and your colleagues and uh, what you're going to accomplish that we're all in very good hands. So thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Dr. Stone. Thanks for your time. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Dear cardiologists, we want to make this podcast about you and for you. So please email us your critical thoughts, comments and questions at podcast at radcliffe-group.com and visit uscjournal.com for more information. You can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram at Radcliffe Cardiology for daily updates. Join thousands of cardiologists and become a Radcliffian by registering to radcliffecardiology.com. You will receive regular newsletters and gain access to hundreds of expert interviews, educational webinars, clinical cases, and peer-reviewed articles from our six medical review journals on general cardiology, interventional cardiology, arrhythmia and electrophysiology, cardiac failure, and vascular and endovascular surgery. Thank you.